This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association of professionals in parking, transportation, and mobility. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is John Gann, Chief Strategist at Real Plan. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for uh, joining the podcast. So we're kind of talking, you know, with COVID, been changing the, the downtown landscape. We've seen uh, cities have to rethink about how they, how they use their, their land downtown. Streets are being turned into dining table areas. On-street parking is being turned into curbside pickup. Parking lots are being used to store cloud kitchens or park big rigs. But one of my favorite uses I've seen as of late is, you know, myself being a lover of all things cinema is we're seeing parking lots turn into pop-up movie theaters, which brings me to you, John, and Real Plan. So if you want to maybe first just talk a little bit about Real Plan is and what it does or the origins, and then I'll have some specific questions how it relates to parking. Sure. So uh, Real Plan is my consulting firm. I've been in the film business for more than 20 years uh, as a filmmaker and as the creator of a, film, of a few film festivals and then a consultant to film festivals. And I work with filmmakers. And in the, for the past eight years, I've been working with some real estate developers on uh, pop-up drive-in events, using their parking lots for marketing purposes and to show some decent films. That's so cool. I, I've done some here. I live in Chattanooga and they have kind of pop-up movie theaters. I think it's slowed down now with, with COVID, but have you worked with cities uh, you know, for, for using parking lots or parking asset owners to use parking lots for these or are these generally open fields? No. Uh, so the, uh, this year's obviously since the whole COVID thing hit, uh, it's been uh, crazy here <laughs> and everyone wants to automatically do a, a new drive-in movie experience. Uh, the one I've been doing for about eight years is at uh, kind of a cool market called uh, Union Market in uh, D.C. And I, I approached a developer you know, eight, nine years ago and said, hey, you've got a great parking lot, but more importantly, you have a massive white wall <laughs> that is screaming to have films projected on it. And I got a grant through the city to do a kind of a cultural ex- uh, expansion. And we did the first drive-in and it was just a huge success. So we've been doing it uh, every year since. It's uh, usually it's only uh, once a month during uh, spring through fall, but this year, uh, once we were able to get permission from the city, we've been doing it uh, once a week, and it's been great. Some selling out uh, with a reduced capacity, obviously for COVID, but uh, it's you know I think people are going because they just want to get out of the house and do something that's different and uh, something that's relatively communal, although very individual at the same time. So it's been very interesting. I've seen, I've seen one where like you turn into a radio station or I've seen some where yep. it's just kind of bring a, bring a chair, but uh, is this with, with COVID and being a drive-in, I'm assuming you turn on a radio station, you have it tuned in to, yeah, to we, the movie. We, we've always done the FM broadcast. Uh, it's just easier. But in, in the past, when we've had people be able to picnic and you know, bike up and walk up, we've had speakers outside and you know, we usually have well, probably triple the amount of people that show up because they can picnic and just have a good time. This year, strictly, uh, you must be in your car at all times. So therefore, we got rid of all the speakers. It's just FM radio. It's kind of eerie 
walking around the parking lot and not hearing anything. But you know the people who are listening to the movie. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother once went to this, like, like, I don't know what you want to call it, like a ray, this, you wear these headphones and everyone dances. Oh, but, a silent disco. <laughs> yeah. I love silent disco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Silent disco. It's, but it's such, it's just so eerie just walking around, just looking at everybody. It's like, wow. Yeah, it, it's very similar to that. That's cool. So what, what did you have to change, I guess, to make it work with social distancing? Is there like a drive up where you purchase your tickets or now you're doing it all online? Or yeah. did you have to well, make significant changes to make it work? Not really. It was more of a uh, change in policy and uh, really getting people to understand the, the rules of the drive-in before attending. Again, we've always done FM radio broadcast, so that wasn't a big deal. This year, it was really much more about reconfiguring the parking lot so the cars were slightly further apart because uh, we used to pack them in so tight that you couldn't uh, idle your car. You couldn't run your car at the same time. But now because we are parking cars farther apart, we're letting people idle because their windows are up. People don't want to have their windows down uh, now. We've had to change some rules about how many people can be out of the car at the same time. It's you know one person to go to the bathroom at a time and one person to go into the market to pick up food. We've been, you know, and we are trying to monitor that also while we're monitoring the lot. And it's just uh, making people more aware of the rules that have always been part of the experience and always been on our website, but just being a little more adamant about it to make sure that they understand that their actions are going to affect the other people that are there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking to parking professionals, so we know all about packing them in like like sardines. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, that's, so that's funny. Have you ever like done it on the roof of a garage? I've seen you know Shakespeare on the rooftop of the garage. Yep. I've seen some fun things, but have you ever tried with the parking garage? So the Union Market one is is unique in the sense that we have this massive white wall to project on, so we don't have to provide a screen, and it just makes everything work easy. They have a sister property in Virginia called the Mosaic District, and they have a huge garage, and we are doing a drive-in on top of the garage. But that brings up a bunch of other, other logistical issues because of the garage height. We can't get a truck up there to carry our inflatable screens. And because of the wind up there, we can't really use an inflatable screen either. So for that venue, we're using a large uh, 22-foot LED wall, like a massive television set that's anchored down and tied to a bunch of trucks and so it's not flying away. But that also increases the cost because that's a much more expensive piece of technology than an inflatable screen and a laser projector. The advantage though is because it is a large television set, we can run movies in sunlight and we don't have to worry about uh, it being completely dark outside. So we've been able to add some extra shows. I think this, this month we're doing a double feature with the first movie at like four o'clock and next month we're actually doing a triple feature uh with I think with movies at like two five and seven or something like that so is this like a like a revenue share with the parking garage or is it like they get the normal payment per car entering the facility how does that work so i have different yeah no i'm working with a bunch of different revenue models depending on the client some clients it is because it's a marketing expense for them uh they're just paying it outright and using the admission cost to kind of pay down some of the expenses because all the ticketing goes through us. You know, if they saw $5,000 for the tickets and the bill is $8,000, I bill them $3,000. And so then that's worked out really well. Uh, there's other parking lots we're talking to right now in which we're talking about a revenue share or a profit share because we're looking at longer runs, like two-week runs. 
uh, with a much larger lot, and so we need a larger piece of technology. So we're probably for those using a 50-foot LED wall, which is huge. It's mounted on a semi, but that's an incredibly expensive venture. So we would have to do some sort of profit share to make that work. And I'm working with some other groups that are working on them, figuring out ways to, you know, some some people finding sponsors to to cover the cost. Uh, it it really it all ranges all over the place. Yeah, I'm assuming just with a lot of these parking garages and lots sitting empty, cities are, you know, want to give back or think of creative ways to create something fun for the family that still can uh, adhere to social distancing. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of alternatives there. So, yeah. So, what are some best practices or lessons learned that for parking managers, someone asset owner interested in doing doing this in one of their parking locations? Again, I think a a big part of it is to manage expectations before people even attend. So to make sure that the rules and the policies of your drive-in are well defined and made very visible on the website so people can read them. You know, we've always had a policy in which for insurance reasons, it's front-end drive parking only. Uh, We don't have back-end parking. We we also have a policy in which we park you, where we, we tell you to park. And if you aren't checking in with your friend in another car, you're probably not going to be next to each other because it's just not possible to move everyone around. Uh, it's like a Tetris board. <laughs> so, you know, making those, those rules uh, known ahead of time so we can manage that expectation at check-in. Other things to really think about, how are you going to, how are people going to access restrooms and public facilities? And how are you going to provide restrooms? And how are you, are you going to clean those restrooms between guests? Or are you going to clean those restrooms? Uh, so there's a lot to think about with that. And just general policy for the safety of your staff, you know, uh, making sure that you have plenty of uh, masks and hand sanitizer and everything that they need. And how do you create a touchless, contactless check-in experience by scanning tickets, et cetera. So, you know, we've been working a lot on that. And I, I actually was getting so many calls in April as people were sort of gearing up for this that I kind of wrote a 10-page sort of best practices, how-to guide, more to sort of dissuade people who just were like, I'm going to do a drive-in and I'm going to invest in $40,000 worth of equipment and make this all happen. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> do you have any idea how many people it takes to put up a you know, 50-foot inflatable screen and to manage the tech and all this other stuff? So I wrote that and have been doing a, a bunch of uh, webinars and Zoom calls, et cetera, and, and sending it out to hundreds of people, which is great. And I, you know, some people were writing back going, this, this was a fantastic document and I'm definitely going to put together a drive-in and other people read it and go, oh, I had no idea so much was involved. Yeah, that much uh, Maybe planning. this is not for me. And you know, it, you know, I know of at least three or four groups that have invested a lot of money in equipment and then got it and was trained on it. And after the first night, it was like, whoa, we are in way over our heads. And I'm like, well, that, you know, you've invested all this money in it and I sort of told you to you know, hire a group to come in and do it for you instead. It would have been more expensive individually, but then yeah. you wouldn't have had the hassles. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was just going to ask kind of what inspired you to write that, that document. I, I read through it. That's really great stuff. So how can listeners get a hold of that document or contact you or your firm if they're interested sure. in, in doing something like this? Yeah, just go to our website, RealPlan, R-E-E-L-P-L-A-N.com. And there's a button at the top for drive-ins and you just uh, send us an email uh, through the website and we'll reply right away with the, the manual. 
uh, and I'm updating it like every other week to add some new things that we're learning and that I'm learning from others who are using the manual. Obviously, I want to encourage as many people to do pop-up experiences because I think they're great and I think it's a great way to involve audiences, but they're not for every community and they're not for every entrepreneur to, to put on. I mean, again, there's a lot of logistics involved. Uh, there's a lot of manual and physical labor and there's a lot of negotiating. Like everything, that, you know, some people are great at it and some people just are not that great at it. And I think that people who attend these events only see the, the end product and they want to see something that's really great. So hopefully, you know, people who want to take this on can produce that great event. Now that's great. And we, again, the one we had in Chattanooga, I, we got there kind of late, but we noticed, wow, no one's in the front. We could sit right in the front. We, we got up there, set up our picnic blanket, and then they started and it was so loud. Like it was hurting, <laughs> hurting my ears. Where I, and then I looked around, I was like, Ah, so this is why no one sets up front. So <laughs> it's just like lessons, lessons you learn. But yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. So I know you're you're a movie guy. I'm a movie buff. So what are some good recommendations for movies? What's a go to, or maybe maybe a you know series? In Louisville, they did like a Hitchcock summer series where every right. Friday at the at the Louisville Palace they played a classic Hitchcock movie. But do you have like a Back to the Future or, the, or a just a go-to movie that you have the license to, to do it with? Well, so it's interesting. Beginning this past month in August, the licensing for a lot of the films for drive-ins have changed. As studios are anticipating movie theaters, hopefully beginning to open soon, uh, some of the studios and distributors are holding back titles that were previously available. So like in June, I was able to get uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and uh, Jurassic Park, but those are no longer available for drive-ins. Swank is the big distributor that does second-run movies. And they have obviously deals with the, uh, the individual studios. In addition to their general catalog, they have a specific list of films that are approved for drive-in uh, without restriction. Uh, so if you were to call them, they can send you that list. There are some really good movies on there, but they're not like the, the top rated. It's not like the ETs and the, the Indiana Jones movies yeah. that you know, people would love to go see. It's, it's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and there's no real Disney on there, but there's Paddington the Bear and, and some others. I, at this point, it's, it's a lot about seeing what's available in your community. The distributors are holding back films based on location and time and timing. So it's really, right now it's sort of a, a grab bag we're sort of getting movies about three weeks out, but we're not able to really negotiate much further than that. But, it, you know, it, it, again, it's different for every market. I'm doing stuff in D.C., which is a major metropolitan, and so it's a little, and it's sort of crowded here right now. There's another drive-in that's going on probably about a mile and a half away from where I do the, the weekly drive-in at Union Market. And so there's some licensing issues with that too. Yeah, so obviously, like you said, your, your email's been, been blowing up as of late. This is pretty popular with COVID. Do you, do you see this? Is this like a bubble? Is this going to end soon? Or do you see this uh, going on for, for quite a while, the drive-in uh, movie theaters? I Just see it theory. going on for a bit. Although I do sense some audiences I've been talking to that they're getting a little fatigued, sort of like Zoom fatigue. Like you only do so many Zooms before you're, just, you're done. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's the same with the drive-in. I think the drive-in is a fun experience. Personally, I don't think it's a great way to watch a movie. <laughs> it's just not 
I mean, the audio is not that great and you know, the picture is as good as it's going to be and an outdoor screen. Um, you go because it's, it's something fun to do and it's something different and gets you out of the house. But I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I, you know, I caution groups that are trying to do this like nightly for like two weeks, three weeks at a time. I just don't think there's enough audience to keep that going at the numbers you want them to go. I think if it's a once a week, twice a week thing, you'll be able to sell out. But I think if it's all the time, you know, I think, I think audiences will be great for the first few days and then it's going to start petering off. And that's what I've heard from some organizations that are doing that now. It's going to be interesting. You know, Walmart just this weekend is kicking off their drive-in series. I believe it's 160 cities around the, or 160 Walmarts or something around the country. And uh, I know that they've sold out most of them already. They sold out right away. I'm kind of curious just to see how many people actually attend because it was a free ticket. And my experience has always been that free events mean high amount of no-shows. So I'm kind of curious as to how those are going to work out. I wish there was one near me so I could see it physically. But Man, I didn't not. think about it. Yeah, Walmart's, you know, you know how, many, how big their parking lots are across the country. There's always jokes about that, but that's, that makes sense to put the movie theater in a Walmart parking lot. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I'll have to research that too because I'm in the Southeast and we have a lot of Walmarts. Yeah, most of them were in the southeast and in Texas. So, and uh, yeah, they're, they partnered, Walmart partnered with Tribeca uh, to present the films. It's, it's big blockbuster movies like Raiders and E.T., et cetera, uh, and a few classics like The Wizard of Oz. And maybe that's why those films are not available for everyone else right now. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it seems that they sold out right away, which is fantastic. But again, I, I, I'm curious to see how many people will actually show. Because that's an expensive setup. It looks like they have six or eight rigs that are going around the country doing this. Oh, that's really cool. All right, folks. So there it is. You know, real, realplan.com, R-E-E-L-P-L-A-N.com. Hire these guys, hire this firm, and they'll help set you off right. Thanks so much, John, for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Are you interested in your parking organization becoming APO, Accredited Parking Organization Certified through the International Parking and Mobility Institute? Or perhaps you're interested in one of your green garages becoming ParkSmart Certified through USGBC? Well, the Parking Podcast is here to help. Our Parking Accreditations Consultants Network will ensure you are matched with the best site reviewer or green garage assessor available for a fraction of the price. Learn more at parkingcast.com consulting. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook.